Dobrow. I'm MM&M's executive editor, and I'm pleased to welcome you to today's sponsored podcast with therapist and very well-mind editor-in-chief Amy Morin. We're going to be talking about supporting mental health in the return to normalcy. And Amy, many thanks for joining us here today. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking about a topic that I think couldn't be more on point at this point. We're going to be talking a little bit about supporting mental health during the return to normalcy or whatever will pass for normalcy once uh, we're a good uh, couple months, years down the road. So we're going to uh, basically address how Very Well has done such a good job of talking about mental health issues, not just during the pandemic over the last you know, year, 15 months or so, but uh, prior to it and um, I imagine well into the future. So uh, most of the conversation will revolve around that. But um, Amy, I want to start out with almost our standard first question nowadays that has been our standard first question for about 15 months. How are you? How are you and yours? How have you been dealing with everything that's been thrown at us, which in your case included starting the job as at very well editor-in-chief? Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. So the lockdown for me was a little different. I live on a boat in the Florida Keys, so my house moves. So if I wanted to go somewhere like a coral reef, I can go and take my house. So it really wasn't uh, that much of a hardship in terms of uh, being homebound. What did change for me is my travel schedule. Uh, I do a lot of speaking, a lot of traveling normally. And so when that stopped, I had to figure out now what do I do? Luckily for me, the timing was well that I was able to write a kid's book in the beginning of quarantine and use that as an opportunity to say, how do I create more content? And along the same lines, it was about the middle of last summer that very well mind approached me and said, what do you think about being our editor in chief? I had written freelance for them for a really long time. And so the opportunity to be their editor in chief sounded wonderful. They're the biggest mental health website in the world. So as a therapist uh, and an author, I definitely leaped at the opportunity. And it was during a time when I said, you know, this is so important to bring mental health awareness and education and talk more about mental health during the pandemic when so many people are struggling. So I was thrilled to be able to, to jump on board and to launch the Very Well Mind podcast and to make some changes to the site and to figure out what are the questions people have and how do we answer those questions? How do we get information out there in a responsible way so that people can learn from, from our content? How do we make sure it's reputable yet still interesting enough that people want to click on the content that we create? How challenging was it to walk that line? I mean, certainly, you know, nobody knew what was going on, especially in the early months of the pandemic. And yet, you know, you very well were charged with being accurate, being timely, and, you know, being fast. Um, how, how, how difficult was it to do that when so much was in flux? Definitely difficult. We wanted to make sure that we were creating enough content, that it was timely. The rules were changing fast about whether to not wear a mask, wear a mask, wear two masks. You don't need a mask to get a vaccine. We wanted to get that information out there quickly, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure that our review board had an opportunity to look at it, that it was based on research. So we tried to be upfront with people to let them know these things are evolving and here are the changes that we're seeing. And even though this was the recommendation three months ago, here's the recommendation that just came out. Maybe it's even seems counterintuitive to what we were just recommending a few months ago, but here's the thought process behind it. I mean, essentially providing the, here's why this is different from what you read two weeks ago or read, you know, a couple hours ago somewhere else, providing that context had to have been probably the most important mission, even more than, you know, getting things out there quickly. That's just, yeah, we, there's so many news outlets out there who are going to beat us to the punch when it comes to creating their content. They're able to 
to pump stuff out 24 hours a day and it's not necessarily peer reviewed or they're not necessarily fact checking everything that they pump out there that quickly. A lot of them are clickbaity headlines. So as tempting as it is sometimes to, to want to get something out really fast, our objective was to make sure that before we put anything out there that we felt really good about it. We felt confident that we were giving people the information that was really going to be helpful to them, not just the latest uh, breaking headline. Now that we're in a very different place, um, you know, obviously vaccinations, everybody's, uh, all states are throwing open their doors, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Uh, how has that mission changed over the last you know, couple of months? Um, how has very well adjusted its content to reflect the semi-vaccinated reality that most of the uh, country finds itself in right now? Well, interestingly, one of the things that we've been able to do is look back at some of our most popular content over the past 12 months and see what were people looking for and how did that evolve? So, for example, last March, people were starting to Google things and they'd land on our website because they were looking up like, what happens when I stop taking my depression medication? Because people weren't going to the doctor and they were starting to withdraw from their medications because it felt too scary to go out of the house. So we were seeing that. A couple of months later, a lot of content on loneliness, cabin fever, that sort of stuff was becoming really popular. And by the end of summer, people were looking up coping strategies like meditation and yoga and reading books. And it's like people had come to the acceptance of this is going to last a while. Here's how I deal with it. And then, of course, as we got into the holidays, people really wanted to know how do I celebrate with my family? Can I do it long distance? What's what are the rules right now? And then once we get into the new year, there was this new sense of hope that people seem to feel and people were starting to, to look up more things like, all right, if I'm stressed out, what can I do? Or some people were then in a different financial situation. So we're seeing more content on anxiety. And so then as we started to say, okay, well, it looks like this is going to, to uh, change down the road again, as society opens up, what can we do to serve people? How do we get ahead of this? So we created tons of content on what we call the return to normalcy. So it was about the social anxiety that people might be anticipating or the awkward social situations. Do you wear a mask? Don't, do you not wear a mask? Do you shake somebody's hand? Do you hug them? Do you still go for the fist bump? Do you stay six feet away? Do you ask somebody to meet on your lawn? People had so many questions and we wanted to be the, the go-to place to say, here's the research, here's the evidence, but also we hear you. We know that there's, there's not a scientific way of how you greet your friend after not seeing them for 14 months, but here are some of the things you can do and to give people real actionable tips and strategies for the struggles that we're all facing. And one of the things that I do is I have a column about ask a therapist and people submit questions to me. So I have the luxury of seeing the things that people want to know and the questions people have. A lot of them have been about the pandemic and about what do I do next or how do I deal with this awkward situation? So we've been able to create a lot of content around that. And then also the podcast, the Very Well Mind podcast, we have the ability to create episodes in basically in real time. So I can create episodes about how do you stay mentally strong when you're re-emerging from, from lockdown after 14 months, just in a way to give people information that's helpful, that's able to, to reach them where they are and to try to stay ahead of, okay, anticipating what's likely to come next. What kind of problems are people facing now that school seasons are ending? We're entering summer. We're still in this weird zone of, yes, a lot of things are open, but yes, we should still be cautious. So how do you navigate that? This is probably a very stupid question, but as a journalist, how, how tough was it to, I guess the word is anticipate, you know, some of the twists and turns that were going on, you know, and keep in mind, of course, you know, obviously this was going on amid 
political upheaval, horrendous police-involved killings of George Floyd and so many others. Um, how, how tough was it to basically stay you know, where readers wanted you to be, where your you know, consumers wanted you to be? It's definitely tough because, again, we didn't know what was going to happen next in terms of, of the pandemic, of the rules of what we were allowed to do or the unrest. And like you say, the political climate was rough this year. So, but we really just tried to make it a two-way conversation with our listeners through social media and through the Ask a Therapist column and just inviting people to tell us, what are you worried about? What kinds of things are going on? What, what can we do to serve you? And then most recently we launched the Mental Health Tracker which gives us a pulse on the state of mental health in America. We surveyed 4,000 people to get a better idea of uh, which generations are most stressed out, which the answer is Gen Z, by the way. The youngest people right now are stressed out far more than the older generations. Uh, and it gave us a, a lot of insight into who's struggling with symptoms of depression, who's dealing with anxiety, and then thinking ahead of, okay, we're coming into the summer months, how might those things affect people now that they're able to see their families? We're not seeing that mental health is getting better. It might be getting worse. Here's why that might be. And just trying to stay ahead and brainstorm why people might be experiencing what, what they're experiencing and the story we can tell behind it, and then how to give people actionable strategies to deal with it. Um, in the emails that you're receiving and other, you know, contact, whether it comes into the podcast or anywhere else, what, what are you sensing right now? Um, you know, where are people in sort of that continuum of fear, of optimism, of anxiety? Um, are, are people in a better place now than they were or because some of the concerns around quote unquote normal are coming back? Are they in almost a more stressed out place? So it depends on the generation. Interestingly, we found that baby boomers, the silent generation, are the most optimistic and are the least stressed out right now, which is somewhat surprising because the pandemic affected them physically the most. A lot of them were at the highest risk of getting sick or even death. And it's Gen Z who's struggling the most. These are the under 24 year olds. So a lot of them, college was interrupted. They couldn't go to class. They had to take school online. A lot of them just started in the workforce and then had to get pulled away or work remotely. Some of them hadn't even launched their careers yet. So they're struggling the most with uh, stress about work, about money, and about the busyness of everyday life. And we found that uh, also, interestingly, the younger generations are less likely to, to get help. We had assumed the thought, perhaps, that younger people would be more open to therapy because we talk so much about mental health these days compared to what we did 50 years ago. But surprisingly, Gen Z is still very concerned about the stigma attached to it and don't tend to think that therapy offers as many benefits as, say, the older generations do. So uncovering that gave us some real insight into knowing, okay, we really need to support young people right now. And we need to recognize, yeah, they're stressed about money. They're stressed about finances. And they also aren't all that open to asking for help if they need it. Well, you know, what you're saying about the stigma, um, you know, you would have thought that would have been an older generational thing. That's fascinating that it has, uh, you know, kind of translated, uh, translated down. It's also a little bit sad, but that's, a, that's probably a different story. For brands, how important is it right now to understand where consumers are with their mental health? Um, are brands paying enough attention to this, or is this something that they're saying like, well, you know, we'll be there for when they're ready? I think it's so important for brands to pay attention to where people are right now. There seems to be this expectation that, okay, the pandemic's winding down. We're able to see our friends and family. We can get out of the house again. We should be happy. And that assumption from our research shows that that's not necessarily true. People are still struggling with depression. They're more anxious than ever. 
And for brands to be aware of that, that people aren't just leaping at the fact of, yes, I can go to a family barbecue, but that doesn't necessarily dissolve my problems. Or a lot of people are feeling pressure to make up for lost time. And so therefore they might be more willing to spend money right now in the short term on something that they struggle to afford just because they think I just lost a whole year of my life. So it's important for brands to know, all right, where, where are people's pain points right now? And what are they still struggling with? And how do we honor that? How do we honor that they might have a lot of pressure on themselves to feel happy, to be happy because the world is opening back up, but at the same time, they're not there yet. So how do we recognize that? Yeah, people might be still be struggling with a lot of stress and a lot of mental health issues, and they might feel embarrassed by it or feel guilty that they aren't as happy as they should be. And it's important to serve people based on that knowledge that it's okay. Even though society's opening back up, we all went through a lot this year. Um, I, I've seen it and I've heard it across very well's platforms. So I know that you guys are on it, but in, in general, has what you just said, has that been highlighted enough? Is this the kind of thing that's been out there or is it sort of one of these bubbling under type situations where, you know, a couple months from now, we'll look back and say like, mm, maybe we went a little bit light on this. I think a lot of a lot of places are going a little bit light on this. We're talking about summer and this is great. And we're finally going to have this 4th of July barbecue. The kids are going to be able to go to summer camp. It's over. Whew. And and while that's a great sense of relief for so many people, it's not necessarily over. Sometimes when we get through a really tough situation like these last 14 months, we kind of white knuckled it to get through it. And it's now that people are able to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief that a lot of that distress is finally going to be able to come to the surface. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that a lot of people went through tough times this year and the loneliness, the financial distress, the problems that they had aren't going to disappear just because we can take our masks off or because we can see our families again. Those things are going to linger for a while. As somebody who creates so much content around these issues. Um, how, how are you adjusting to accommodate for that? Um, you know, I've already touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the things that very well can do to make sure that, again, it stays ahead of you know, what's coming next as opposed to being a little reactionary and reporting on what happened a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, again, we just try to make it a two-way conversation so that we're hearing from our readers what their struggles are, what are their concerns about summertime, what are their concerns about their kids for school for next year, what kinds of things are they worrying about? And we'll continue with our monthly survey that will get a pulse of the mental health in America. So once a month, we're going to continue surveying 4,000 people to find out what are you stressed about right now? Uh, what are your biggest pain points? What are your symptoms? We go through and ask people about their sleeping habits, their eating habits, how they're feeling about the future, whether they're hopeless, what kind of action they're taking, their self-care, self-esteem issues, all of those kinds of things. And then we can put together a story of who's getting better, if their certain generation feels better, if some are feeling worse, why that might be, how optimistic and hopeful they are, and just taking a look at their everything from their spending habits to their, to their daily habits in terms of how much time are they talking to their families versus how much time are they still spending at home by themselves. You've touched on this also, but what's some of the feedback that very well and you have received over the last you know, couple of months, not just from you know, the listeners and the viewers and the content consumers, but also from some of very well's partners. Um, what are some of the things that they're telling you in response to everything that you guys are putting out? Yeah, I think that other people are, are grateful that we're able to create this content and we're able to provide this information on research. It wasn't just a study of 100 people. We studied 4,000 people to get a much better pulse on what was going on. And because of that, we can now talk about all sorts of issues like how do you support Gen Z workers or let's say the older generations are happy. How do we keep them that way? What kinds of things do they need to stay that way? And how do we shift our attention from the 
physical health of older people, which we've appropriately focused on for, for so long, to now saying, okay, how do we make sure that we're nurturing the mental health of younger people too? There's such a big tendency right now to minimize it. You see these memes on social media talking about, well, your your grandfather had to had to go storm the beaches and that was what they had to do in life and you had to sit on the couch almost making fun of the the distress that younger people are feeling so we've been able to help combat that and we've had great responses from uh, other organizations who are sharing our content who are using it as a tool putting it on their own websites to say here's what's going on just to spread the information and help us uh spread some more awareness you know it's so funny that you bring up that one particular meme um the way i saw it was like you know we Storm, you know, we got onto the moon, we stormed Normandy, you know, we did this, we did that. You have to watch Tiger King. And, you know, I remember thinking like, okay, I'm sure Tiger King is going to be very entertaining. And it was, but at the same time, you know, being told, okay, we're going to basically pause every aspect of life as you know it right now. That's, that's not small. That's not a, that's not an insignificant thing. Why, why do you think in certain quarters it played that way? Was it just a part of the kind of ongoing political divide, cultural divide that we have? Or was it more a matter of some people really truly believing, nah, this isn't that bad. We'll all pull through it if we just suck it up a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't get it that not everybody's situation was the same. Some people liked it. Um, plenty of people I talked to who thought, wow, working from home, not so bad. I could get used to this. Other people had abusive partners or they lived in homes where there was substance abuse going on. Their situation was very different than other people's. And to minimize the, the pain and the suffering that some people had to go through isn't helpful to anyone. And to remember that everybody's situation is different. But I think those memes were just born out of that idea of what it looks like on the surface without taking a deeper dive into what are the struggles people are facing and people who had to take care of elderly loved ones and still go to work every day and they were lived in fear for the last year that they might get sick or they might pass it on. Completely different experiences than say somebody who just decided to work remotely and didn't have to worry about much at all. It, it wasn't that hard to, you know, I mean, yes, I don't think anyone loves being on Zoom eight hours a day, but given the alternative, not that terrible. And right. uh, I found it fascinating how many people were just like, oh, well, you know, that, that's, that's the way everybody's experiences. Everybody's doing the exact same thing you are. It's like, mm, I got a veterinarian friend who's not. I have a sister-in-law who's a doctor who's not. I have, you know, any number of people that we saw at the pharmacy, at the grocery, everywhere else. And, you know, I, I, I got to think for them, you know, for the people in those roles, it's almost like, yes, you were getting clapped out every night at seven o'clock, but at the same time, it was still this expectation that you had to be there at a time when your health was directly at risk. And, you know, you hope that we did enough to support them and let them know they were actually appreciated. Exactly. Looking forward, uh, you know, you've already talked a little bit about how the content mix will shift as we head into this, uh, what are we calling it? Summer of freedom, summer of outside, summer of hugs, whatever we want to call it. Um, how, how do you think your role will change? How do you think Very Well's content will evolve with this new set of expectations? So I think one of the things we'll focus on is just as the summer evolves, again, talking about social situations, the awkwardness of different things people might encounter, graduations, but also focusing on the grief that I think a lot of people are now going to experience when we say go back to the office, life isn't going to be the same when you get back there. Some people may have moved on. Things are going to be different. Or when you start getting back in touch with old friends, maybe you don't have much in common or your grandkids have grown so much. You think, well, this isn't what I remembered because part of us feels like life was on pause for a year. It wasn't. Things continue to move on. So our goal is to keep helping people deal with those sorts of situations and the financial fallout that some people experienced. 
And then to just get back to talking again about, well, how did you cope during the pandemic? What skills are you going to carry forward? And what bad habits did you develop that you want to give up? Of course, we're hearing from a lot of people who ate way more than they wanted to, people that turned to alcohol to cope. How do you change those habits now? And there's plenty of people too, who maybe had depression and anxiety before the pandemic. And so many people are now celebrating, great, my mental health is better. Those people, a lot of them are saying, well, my depression and anxiety isn't going to go anywhere now that the pandemic has ended. And so we want to just keep educating people on how to help, how to support each other, how to be more open, how to reduce the stigma and how to get help if you need it. We do tons of research on online therapy. We review all the online therapy sites personally to say, here's what you might experience if you go to these places. Here's what you can expect just as a way to, again, encourage people to get help if they need it. Yeah, this isn't say like, okay, let's push back against that predominance. You know, we're going to have this great summer and look, there's going to be a band playing outside and everything else. But in, in a way, do you have to kind of temper the expectations? Do you almost have to be a little bit more of a downer, a little bit more of a realist to make sure that, you know, some of those marginalized people and people who are feeling depression feel like, you know, their concerns are being addressed. Right. I think just being able to say to people, if you're feeling this way, you're not alone because so many people are afraid to say, even though I can go out and I can do things, I'm nervous about, or I feel so uncomfortable, or I went to work for two days and I was exhausted being around people again. And a lot of people aren't talking about those things now. Like it was kind of cool to talk about mental health during the pandemic because so many celebrities were stepping forward and so many news stories were about depression and anxiety and being connected. But now that uh, things are winding down, we want to make sure that those conversations continue so people know, yeah, if you're still struggling, that's okay. Uh, one last question for you, Amy. Um, and this is probably a silly one to ask also because you know we don't know what the future is going to hold, whether it's variants or any other, any number of other things that can, you know, turn this around in a very different direction. But um, how long do you anticipate this being the primary, you know, focus for very well's mental health coverage? I mean, is this the kind of thing that might start to fade at some point if we keep heading in the same direction? Um, is this the kind of thing that's going to cast a long shadow for however long? Um, I mean, there's a PTSD component to this, I'm sure, with a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's going to be a long shadow. And we looked at, say, China, who was ahead of us in the pandemic and quarantine and lockdown and then ending it. We know that a lot of people came out with depression for a long time and uh, kids were affected. And so and then as school starts next year, we'll see some of the fallout from kids who missed a whole year of school this year or they try to do remote learning. What's going to happen when they go back to school and we'll see new new things. And a lot of people, it might not hit them until they have another big event in their life. You go to a wedding and you realize that some people aren't there because uh, perhaps they passed away during the pandemic. Certain things like that, I think, are going to take a while before we see the full fallout from it. And uh, for people that had existing mental health issues, uh, they may experience more anxiety, worried about the next pandemic, or people who are depressed thinking, you know, I don't, I don't dare be happy right now because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Things won't stay this way. So I think it will be a while and we'll naturally continue talking about it as well as other mental health conditions and strategies and coping skills as well. Amy, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. And thank you to you personally and very well for the spotlight that you put on a lot of these issues. I think very well started doing it a lot sooner than many, many, many other media organizations. And uh, that work was appreciated. So many thanks on many fronts. Well, thank you for having me. For the MMM podcast, this is Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for joining us and come back soon for another one. Be well.